0: church everybody um you know thinking about the perspectives class normally you think of a class and you think well that's something for me right i take a class and i learn and and i build myself up and i and and i uh, i gain something and perspectives is one of those same things however the end result of perspectives just like the end result result of anything that god calls us to is not for us it's for us to take that somewhere else Um, you know, as we think about Advent this year and think about our message series where we're talking through hope, we need to understand that Jesus Christ is the living hope. Jesus Christ is the living hope. We've talked through hope through hardship last week. We talked through hope uh, with hospitality, and we're going to talk about hope again this week. But as you stand and sing with us, we're going to sing about living hope, Jesus Christ the living
1: spoke your name into By this grace, the God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. The cross is broken. for so amazing, Jesus Messiah, came above all blessed Redeemer. i uh-huh.
2: The Lord laid this on my heart before prayer. Psalm 95. Oh come, sing, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods in whose hand are the depths of the earth the peaks of the mountains are his also the sea is his for it was he who made it and his hand formed the dry land come let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker for he is god We are his people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you would hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I invite you at this time to come before the Lord if you are able and willing to kneel with me in prayer. holy and awesome, Abba Father. Father, just coming before your presence as your people takes our breath away, Lord God. You remind me of the heart that you have given to me in every beat that it has because when I come before you, Lord God, on behalf of your people, it beats, it pounds actually, Lord God. Because we realize the great honor And privilege that we have to come before the great king, the great I am, our Messiah, Lord of all. So, Father, first and foremost, may you continue to be first and foremost in our lives. May everything this morning said and done be in accordance to your will for your glory, and for the good of your people. Father, thank you in advance for the blessing that we will receive through the music, through the teaching, and through fellowship. Lord, may you be the heart of all that we do. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you. We come and bow and worship you, Lord God. Father, also at this time, we want to lift up All those precious Afghan families that have come to Wisconsin. Father God, give us a heart to serve them. Give us a heart to reach them, Lord God. For you clearly say in your word, you have come to seek and save the lost. Lord God, continue to pursue us and help us, Lord God, to use our lives to pursue others. In your name, Father God, many needs, they may feel lost in this new country, in this new city of West Bend or Milwaukee, Lord God. But Father, may you guide them to one of your children, to share the hope of Jesus Christ, to share the good news, Father God. May we realize the privilege and honor that we have to be used by you in such a mighty way to share hope, to have a voice to cry with them, to comfort them, and to celebrate with them this new life. Oh, Father God, once again, what a joy to become your children. Even though at times we don't feel worthy to approach your throne, you remind us in your word to come boldly before your throne, for we are your children, your sons and daughters, and you are our precious Father. So Lord, thank you for acceptance. Thank you for your continued pursuing of us, Lord God. May we realize the importance of being in the world, but not of the world. So Father, have your way with us this morning, Lord. May we not leave here as we entered, Father God. Transform us, Lord, through the words through Pastor Troy, Lord God. Holy Spirit, take a hold of his tongue, his lips, Lord God, his heart, his mind, Father. That you may speak through him words of life. That it may flow out of him like a river, Lord God, as you say in the word. And may we leave rejoicing, joy to the world. (laughs) The Lord has already come. Let earth, let your people, let us receive you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Thank you, Sister. Good morning, everyone. My name is Troy. I want to welcome you uh, again. And uh, this morning, we are in the middle of a series that we are going through the book of Ruth, called it Adventures in Hope. And we are in chapter 3 this week. We're going to pick up right where we, off, we left off last week. There's a lot of stuff in here, so I want to dig into it right away. So Luke, or sorry, Luke, Ruth, chapter 3 is on page 189 in the Brown Bibles. We would strongly encourage you to grab a Bible underneath the chair in front of you, pull that out, open up to page 189, and follow along. We're going to go through the whole chapter together. Um, today. Now, as you turn there, some of you may be joining us for the first time ever this morning. Some of you may be joining us for the first time in this series, and some of you may have just forgot what we talked about the last two weeks. So, to, so I want to catch you up on where we've been. And as we, we talked about the last couple of weeks, Ruth is this tiny little uh, book in the Hebrew scriptures, what we call the Old Testament, and in this book, this we're going to find this book ultimately points to the coming of Jesus. In fact, if we were to begin with the end in mind, I talked about this a couple weeks ago, we would go to the genealogy of Jesus, and we would find in Matthew chapter 1 these words. A record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, that's not his last name, that's Messiah. That means Jesus the Messiah, we just sang the song. And Mary just prayed that. The son of David. And we read about Boaz here, the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. So Boaz and Ruth. These two are going to be at the center of chapter 3 of Ruth that we're going to look at together today. Now, what is Ruth about? Here's what it's about. 3,200 years ago or so, there was a family in the land of Israel. The husband's name was Elimelech. Can you say Elimelech? Okay, you can say Elimelech if you really want to get into it too. It doesn't matter. Okay, Elimelech and his wife was Naomi, and they had two sons. And they, there was a famine in the land. And so they ended up leaving where they were in Israel and going to a neighboring land called Moab. And when they got there to Moab, not long after they arrived, Elimelech died. And so Naomi now is a widow. Her two sons marry Moabite women— and they live there, the five of them live there for 10 years. The daughters never give birth to any children, but after 10 years, the two sons also die without having any children. So here's Naomi, rough go of it for Naomi. She lost her husband, she lost her two sons, has no grandchildren, okay? And so Naomi is in this place, and I showed you in week one kind of the layout of the book of Ruth. I want to show it to you on this slide again. This is from uh, Dr. Block. Here is kind of the introduction. It goes down, kind of Debbie Downer, if you would, in, in week one, chapter one. And then we have to work our way up out of that. And that's where we were in week one. But at the end of chapter one, there's a little bit of hope that is going to come out of this because they go back and and Naomi hears there's food back in Israel. And so she's like, I'm going to head back. And as she heads back, her two in laws start to follow her. And she's like, no, 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 girls, there's nothing for you back there. You go back to your mom's, go back to your house of origin. But Ruth, one of the daughter in laws says, no, no. She clung to Naomi and said, I'm going with you. Where you go, I'm going to go. Your people are going to be my people. Your God's going to be my God. And this is an amazing demonstration of loyalty that Ruth shows to Naomi. And so in chapter 2, as that opens up, we find Ruth and Naomi are back in Israel at the time of the barley harvest. And Ruth says, hey, mother-in-law, can I go out and glean? Now, gleaning is this practice that God gave to his people to care for the poor uh, among them. And so it was kind of uh, a hand up and not a hand out. What the landowners did is if you had a field, you would not uh, harvest the edges of the field. Okay, what you do is you'd leave that for people who were poor who could come and harvest themselves. And that's what Ruth was doing. Now, she ends up doing that in a field specifically that was owned by a man named Boaz. Can we say Boaz? Boaz. Boaz, okay, you're going to hear that name a lot today. He was described as a man of standing. means he was well-respected. Now Boaz is out in his field and he sees Ruth. He has heard of Ruth's faithfulness to Naomi. And so he blesses her and he says, look, you can glean Ruth, not just on the edges of the field. You can glean wherever you would like, wherever you need to get food. And so Ruth does this. And at the end of chapter two, Ruth has found a safe place to gather food for herself and Naomi, which brings us to chapter three. So, in this next slide, I'll show you where we've been. Hope through hard times. Uh, Christy talked through hope through humility, or sorry, hospitality last week, and today we're going to be at hope through humility. A little bit of a dilemma that happens here in chapter three again. And so, as chapter three opens, Ruth and Naomi are having a conversation. Naomi's trying to find a way to take care of and provide for Ruth. And let's see how the story unfolds. You should be open to Ruth chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. Before we do that, why don't you stand with me as we read God's word, and I'll pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for, for your word, Lord, more than anything that I would say this morning. Would the things that we read here do what you promise they will, and that is not return void. Father, may you speak to us by your Holy Spirit through these things, and may we leave changed by it. More and more in the image and likeness of your son, Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, amen. All right, chapter 3, verse 1 says this. One day, Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, my daughter, said to her, Ruth, my daughter, should I not try to find a home for you, or you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz, with whose servant girls you have been, a kinsman of ours? Tonight, he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash and perfume yourself, and put on your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. This is God's word. Amen? All right, go ahead and have a seat. We're going to go through the rest of the chapter, but I wanted to stop there for a minute. And, and the plan that we just heard Naomi share with Ruth, spoiler alert, that's what's going to happen for the rest of the chapter. It's going to unfold that way. But before we dig into it, I want to do this with you. I want to give you just two minutes to turn and talk to someone and ask some questions. This text raises questions for us. This should raise some questions. You should be saying, I have a question about this. Okay? Um, so what I want you to do is just turn to someone that's near to you. And if you're not sitting by somebody, just please include someone that's maybe by themselves around you and just say, hey, what questions does this raise? Give you two minutes to do that, and then we're going to start digging into these together. Fair enough? And Go. All right. All right. You, you got a lot of questions. I, I had a good one. Uh, Lindsay shared with me. She said, would my, would my kids say this? I will do whatever you say. Ma, I love it. I love it. Great question. What questions? What other questions came up? Why uncover the feet? Why uncover the feet? Bizarre. What else? What other questions? Yeah. What is a kinsman? Right? Or... Yeah, so like, are we. What's that about? Like, how close are we talking about here? Okay, yeah. Why are we directing her towards a kinsman? Yes. Good question. What else? Other questions. There's more. Well, I uncover her feet. Yep. Yep, his feet. Yeah. What is he going to tell me to do? How weird does this get? Where is this going? And then another question I heard was like, is this really the best counsel that you can give to your daughter-in-law? Like this this plan right here? Okay. So there's more questions that you have. I know I'm I'm hoping that we'll actually get them all answered as we go and unpack this together. I also believe that you will have this text point us to hope through humility uh, as we go through it. Now, depending on the scripture and the narrative, I will do teaching differently from time to time. And this is one of those mornings. Sometimes I find a scripture that I, I just really feel like the best way for us to teach through it is to actually see it played out in front of us. And so we're going to reenact this one this morning, okay? We're going we're to reenact this one. Yes, I know. It's a little awkward. I, Stephanie's already told me and warned me about that, okay? So what I need is I'm going to need a couple, a married couple, because spoiler alert, this couple gets married. So I need a, I need a married couple who is going to volunteer to be Ruth and Boaz for me this morning, preferably a woman who's not wearing a skirt, um, would be helpful. So if someone doesn't volunteer, I'm going to pick on someone. The Holetcos, are you volunteering? No, you're not? Okay. Do I have a couple? Oh, Bernie's up. Uh, Bernie, there we go. Let's give him a round of applause. Bernie, you can sit down. Julie, Julie, come on up. Come on. We need you first. We need Ruth first. She's like, I thought I got out of it. No, you didn't. All right. Can we say shalom, Ruth? Shalom, Ruth. Look at her bravery and her courage. Someone's been voluntold here. Um, so I, uh, I'm going to have you sit here to start here, Ruth. Okay? You, say you don't want to see Bernie's feet. You don't want to see Bernie's feet? <laughs> uh, this is going to be good. You know, you know, this is more risky for me than it is for you. I just want to... Lay that out there. I, we're not gonna. Let's just just, just trust me here. Um, all right. Now let me go back to this. Uh, before you become Ruth, uh, Julie, do you have a mother-in-law that's alive? You don't. Okay. You've had a mother-in-law in the past. I have. Okay. Okay. G- okay. You're, okay. We're gonna have Naomi's gonna be your mother-in-law. Okay. Okay. I was gonna ask if you had a chance to bless her. Remember, two weeks ago, I talked about blessing your mother-in-law. Yes. So I didn't have a chance to do that. Okay. How many of you had a chance to go bless your mother-in-law uh, after intentionally after uh, two weeks ago? Raise your hand. high. Okay, one person in this room. I just, I just wanna, I just wanna talk to you about the effectiveness of preaching. Okay, I just want you to talk about how effective preaching is, a discipleship tool is. Besides myself and Amanda. Okay, father-in-laws, son-in-laws. Okay. Okay, what I'm about to say apparently means nothing to any of you. So, all right, here we go. Um, Okay, Naomi's your mother-in-law now, Ruth, okay? And she's trying to bless you. She's got this plan she wants to provide for you. Remember everyone, Naomi's been through a ton. She's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons. Not long ago before this, she says, no, you don't call me Naomi anymore. You call me Mara because I'm bitter. Not long ago before this, Ruth is right next to her and she's like, I came, I went full away and I came back empty. And Ruth's like, what about me? Anyway, so she's just sitting there. Okay, not long before this, uh, Ruth's, uh, Naomi's pain was so, it was like so much in front of her, she couldn't see anything else. It was Naomi, okay? She was just so, like, consumed by it. But time has passed a little bit, and Ruth has found favor in Boaz's field, found some food. And so now Naomi's got a plan, and she wants to bless Ruth. And so what, um, what, what's going to happen here is she's going to engage with Boaz. My question is, Ruth, is are you willing to do whatever she, whatever she says? Yes. Okay, because you'll have to do whatever I say then. Okay, because we're just going to read what the text is. That's what it says in the text, so I'll do whatever you say. Okay, here we go. You're going to engage with Boaz. Now, here's how you're going to do it. Number one, uh, Ruth, you need to wash. Okay, I got some props here. You need to wash. Okay, thank you. All right, good. You've been out in the fields. Good. Um, and then you need to, here, turn just slightly, if, that, if you can, just so this side can see you, too. They want to see it. All right. Now you're going to need to put on some perfume. Mm. A lot of speculation around why this is, but uh, this is a little essential oil Stephanie uses. I don't think she doesn't have perfume anymore. It's, there you go. It's oil. So you can put some of that on. Okay. It's supposed to be for immunity or something. I don't know. Oh, it's, like, it's a rollerball.
1: It's like a kissing potion. Does anyone remember oh.
3: that? Okay. That's not part of the script. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> Okay, so, so perfume herself, the word literally means anoint, so she's anointing, there's a little olive oil or oil of some kind in that, and then number three, you're going to put on your best clothes. Okay, well, we'll work with what we got here. Okay, um, you look lovely. Now, this is actually a really bad translation. The, the word best clothes here is a bad translation, here's why. Uh, Ruth is a poor widow who's literally out gleaning in fields to get food. How, how big do you think her wardrobe is? Okay, she doesn't go home to a walk-in closet with like, you know, a rack of shoes she has to match. And, and the word, more importantly, the word here is a word that is the Hebrew word simla. Now simla is a generic word that means an outer garment or a cloak heavy enough to sleep in. We actually see in the law of the Torah of God, Exodus 22, that poor people use this garment to sleep in as like a blanket at night. It says this in Exodus 22. Okay, Ruth It says, if you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, return it to him by sunset because his cloak or simla is the only covering he has for his body. What else will he sleep in? So I would better translate this from Hebrew as um, you know, put on your snuggie. Okay? Or put on your comfy. You know what those are? They're selling now giant sweatshirts that you can kind of sleep in. Anyway, that's kind of what's going on. Regardless, I'm going to have you put this on, Ruth. This is your best clothes. This is this is Stephanie's. It's all good. Okay, here we go. We're going to put this on. There we go. Nice and toasty. All right. And then we're also going to have to put on a, a shawl. There it is. Oh, put that on. We're going to need that later. Okay. Over my head? You can put it on wherever you want. Okay. I'm not sure. So you got that. Now, now you're all ready to go. You're, you're washed, you're perfumed, you're dressed, you're best dressed. You're going to go down to the threshing floor. Now, let me ask you this. Ruth, when you think about a threshing floor, what image comes to mind for you? Be honest. Like, when you think of a threshing floor, what would that look like? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, anyone else have an idea of what a threshing floor might look like? Dusty? Okay, it'd be dusty. Yeah. I think of, uh, I grew up on a farm, and so we had a couple of barns. We had, I think of a haymow, right? Or where we had cotton seed. And, and so there's a floor. I think of a wood floor. I'm wrong. That's not the, the picture that you need to have here so uh, this is the picture of what a threshing floor would have looked like. It would have been out in the field. It would have been either a rock outcropping of some kind or they would have created a hard space where you can take barley or wheat, throw it up, thresh it, winnow it so that the seed comes down and the hulls uh, go away. This is kind of what we're looking at. So I want you to imagine that this is the threshing floor area. Okay, Ruth, this is the... Th- you don't have to clean it. No, no, okay, here we go. Just, this is the threshing floor. It doesn't say anything about cleaning it. You have to clean yourself. Okay, and then... Um, so you're, so that's number four, is you have to go down to the threshing floor. You're already kind of down here. But now number five is you have to do this in stealth mode, okay? It says uh, Naomi wants you to stay in the background, not make yourself known, and then you're going to have to follow the rest of her instructions. So what I'm going to have you do is go, go back in the ramp way un- until uh, we kind of know when you're, we're going to play things out. So now uh, it says in verse 6, is it says, So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything that her mother-in-law told her to do. So far so good, everyone? Okay, next. We need Boaz to come up here. Boaz. There you go, Boaz. All right. This will be, be interesting. Um, all right, Boaz is going to need a robe as well. This was a gift I was given in Rwanda, so we'll see how this fits on Bernie. All right. Can you? What do you think? Yeah, okay, good. Got this. Here we go. Look at that. Like Joseph in the Technicolor dream coat here. But that's not, yeah, there you go. I'm going to have you have this blanket. You're going to need this in a minute, okay? All right. Now, Boaz, we're going to pick up in verse 7. It says this, when Boaz had finished eating and drinking, okay, he was in good spirits, okay, and he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. So we're going to put, Krista Hardy did this beautiful thing here, and she actually has, like, wheat here. This is perfect. Thank you, Kristen. All right, this will be the far end of the grain pot. Just lie down right here. No, don't fit in there. No, that's not what we're talking about. That's not for you. So, all right. And if you want to lean, that's fine, too. We'll see how, how much you get into this. Okay, good. Now, we've got to make sure we're going to, I'm just going to have this blanket. We're going to cover you up. Make sure your feet are covered. There we go. I haven't really practiced this. All right, here we go. All right, there we go. So you're, you're laying there. Now, Now a couple things. You might have a question. When it says Boaz was in good spirits, come on now, some of you are wondering, okay, just exactly how much did he have to drink? And that's a fair question based on what you see. It says when he finished eating and drinking, when he's in good spirits, all that stuff. Here, here's the thing, though. Uh, Boaz is not inebriated, okay? Uh, one piece of evidence is he probably wouldn't have made it to the far end of the, the grain pile, okay? May not have made it that far. Uh, Number two, and more importantly, though, is that if if you follow this story all the way through, you're going to find out that he's going to wake up in the middle of the night completely cognizant of everything that's going on and making important decisions. So he has not had too much to drink. Also, he's a man of standing, and so he's going to put the barley harvest in jeopardy or his reputation by getting inebriated. Now, another question might be this. If Boaz is not inebriated, why doesn't he go home? Why does he sleep outside in the field? Okay? And that's a, another good question. The reason why is this. When you have a harvest of your grain, what you don't do is leave it out in the field at night for someone to come steal it or for animals to come eat it. Okay? And so, remember, Naomi said he will do this. He's going to go to sleep. Like, this was how it worked. You went and you stayed in your field until you brought the barley harvest in. This is just what you did. It also shows that Boaz, Boaz is a little bit older than than Ruth. Yeah, I can see it. Okay, anyway, so Boaz is a little bit older than Ruth, and uh, but he's not so old that he can't work all day in the field with his, with his uh, servants and then sleep on the ground, right, or at least in the grain pile, which I don't know how many of you like sleeping outside, like on the ground. That's not a thing I really enjoy doing at all. I usually pay for it in the next morning. So here he is, Boaz is sleeping. There we go. Bernie's going to pay for this one tomorrow. All right. Let's pick up uh, in verse 7. When, uh, it says, Ruth approached quietly. And she uncovered his feet. Just just, he's got. You can leave his shoes on, okay. Just uncover his feet. There you go, and lay down. There we go. All right. Now, um, can we say strange? This is strange, right? Like this is this is weird. Why the uncovering of the feet? It seems very bizarre. Um, There's a couple different reasons why I think she does this. A very practical one is this. She, this is the most non-intrusive way to wake somebody up. Think about it, right? You uncover someone's feet, they're going to get cold, and they're gonna eventually going to wake up. Just about a month ago, we were down in Columbia, and we had a nighttime event that we had to do, and it was a long day, and so we had an after- later afternoon. David Sizdek said, hey, I'm going to take a quick nap. So David Sizdek took a quick nap. He's our youth pastor. He's right here. Anyway, um, so I was going to, I said, I'll wake you up. So I go in to wake him up. Well, you know, how do you wake someone up that's like, you're not used to waking him up? And it's David Sizdek, so it could be like, the Hulk or you know, Wolverine. Like he could Wolverine me or something. I don't know what he's going to do. So it's like, how do you wake him up? So I, you know, I just gently grab like, the lower part of his leg and calf and just like, hey, David. And he freaked out a little bit, but it wasn't too bad. Anyway, so the idea of like her uncovering his feet is, is one way to very practically, gently to wake him up. And um, that's what happens in the middle of the night. It says this. Here's what it says. It says, in the middle of the night, something startled the man. Okay, and he turned and discovered a woman lying at his feet, <laughs> and he asked this question: "Who are you?" Okay, now he might—he's probably asking the question because it's not, he can't see her. It's dark. This was before electricity. Okay, perhaps why she put their perfume on so he knows it's a woman. Okay, and she's and she. <laughs> Or, or maybe it's because he's lying at his, she's lying at his feet and she needs to, to cover over the stench. Is that what you're saying? Well, maybe. Okay, okay. I, that's a creative uh, take I didn't uh, th- anticipate. So um, she says this. Can you read that? I am, your servant, I am your servant, Ruth. And then she said, Spread the corner of your garment over me, Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a kinsman redeemer. Okay. All right. This is uh, strange. And, but, but can we admit that this is very vulnerable of Ruth to do this? That this is very humbling of Ruth to do this? Okay. Culturally speaking, when she asks her to spread his garment over her, she's basically doing something in that culture context that is saying, I'm available for you to marry me. It's like basically she's sort of proposing to him. So young ladies, there's a guy out there that you really engage, you know, really are anticipating. You just, hey, you say, hey, can you put your Snuggie on the corner? I mean, I'm just kidding. I say that because it's like, this is how different. This is very different. But remember, this would have been different for Ruth too. Ruth was a Moabite. She wasn't an Israelite. She wouldn't have known about this until Naomi said, this is how this thing is going to play out. And so this isn't part of even her culture, this whole kinsman redeemer thing. And so we need to explain a little bit of this. Now, God had made some instructions in his law, again, to care for the widows in their midst. And so if a woman lost her husband in this culture, it would have been very difficult for her to provide for herself on her own. And so what God did is he gave the people what's called this idea of a goel, uh, which is a kinsman redeemer. And where a relative of the deceased man, would actually come in and provide for and care for the widow in their midst, okay? And because this was a, sh- a culture of honor and shame, not fulfilling that responsibility would have been shaming to the, to the man. Fulfilling it would have been an honor for him to do that, okay? So Naomi is suggesting to Ruth, hey, look, Boaz is one of those men that would qualify. He's on the side of Elimelech, like he's related to Elimelech, who would have been her father-in-law. And so, we're going to learn more about the Kinsman Redeemer next week in chapter 4, but for now, that gives us enough uh, context to hopefully answer some of the question. Again, I I don't know exactly the lineage and how close, but it's an in-law relative. So, um, Ruth, bottom line, has humbly humbled herself before here. And, And so now, I want you to think about this. This is a moment of truth, right? This is the moment of truth for Ruth. She has put herself out there and This could have gone all kinds of wrong for Ruth. Okay, because right now, she's so vulnerable before Boaz. Boaz could have said, you're a Moabite woman. How dare you? Boaz could have said, what are you, gold digging? Right? I mean, it it could appear that way. Worse, Boaz could have taken advantage of her in the middle of the night said she was entrapping her, and hey, that's weird. That doesn't usually happen. Oh, this is probably because the folks online at home are probably trying to figure out. Oh, I'm over here. There we go. Sorry. Sorry, guys. You just mess with me. We, we want to get them on screen. I'm sorry. Everyone at home, you have no idea what's going on. Bernie and Julie are right here making fools of themselves on, for our sake and for the Lord's. Okay, so anyway, um, where was I? Oh, so, so like he could have taken advantage of her, said that she was a prostitute. Like this could have gone all kinds of wrong. But it doesn't go wrong. And the reason why it doesn't go wrong is because he is a man of good standing and she is a woman of noble character. Okay? And so here's how this plays out. Boaz, uh, I'm going to have you uh, say this next slide. Can we put it up for Boaz to read? put it here like ice cream right. right. the lord bless you my daughter the kindness is greater than what you showed earlier you have not run after the younger man which whether rich or poor and now my daughter don't be afraid i will do for you all you ask all my fellow townsmen know that you are a woman of noble character although it is true that i am not i am near of kin there is a kinsman redeemer nearer than i stay here for the night and in the morning if he wants to redeem Good, let him redeem. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. Okay. So that's what he does. He, he wakes up and he blesses her with this. Now, some have tried to make a case here that, um, you know, there's some stuff going on right here. Okay, a little more, you know, cuddling, okay, like Netflix and chill kind of stuff, but it's not. Okay? And the reason why we know it's not is because you can read the text very clearly. That what they're doing is they're acting out of humility. They're seeking to bless one another, and they're they're acting out of integrity. Okay? They're concerned about preserving one another's honor. Boaz blesses her, affirms that she is known by everyone in town as a woman of noble character, and then he affirms his man of standing uh, posture by saying, look, I will do what you've asked me. He's like, I will marry you. I will be the kinsman redeemer with one caveat. He has such high integrity that he's like, there's actually another man who has first dibs on this honor. And I need to make sure that he has the right, first right of refusal on this honor, or I would shame him. And so I can't do that. So this is what Boaz, he's just, there's so much humility and so much integrity in all directions here. It's amazing. So Boaz tells her to lie down, and he says, lie down at her feet, at his feet. So you're lying down at his feet. Are you doing okay? I do fine. Okay, good. So line up at, at the feet here, and then, um, let's see, my guess is that they probably don't get any sleep. If you think about what's going on, they probably are just both, both thinking through all kinds of things at this point, okay? Now, Boaz says this in the morning, this next slide. Just say it loud. Hold on, let me see it. Okay, so don't let it be known that a woman came on the threshold. Is he trying to cover his tracks? You know, like, oh, there's a really dicey thing going on here. Um, so he's, again, basically, try- they, have, they have acted with complete integrity. And he's saying, I don't want to be falsely accused here for stuff that, that didn't happen. Okay? So he says, don't let it be known. But then he says this. Next slide. Bring me the shawl you are wearing and hold it out. So bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. Okay, and so he's gonna, she's gonna do that. He's gonna pour in six measures of barley and, and put it, the barley in there, and then she's gonna take that, okay? No, okay, yeah, we'll just leave the decorations. Chris, yeah, thank you. Okay, all right, so, and then he goes back into town and she goes back to Naomi. Can we give him a round of applause for being Ruth and Boaz? Thank you guys. You guys are great sports. It says um, uh, Ruth goes back to Naomi, and the chapter finishes out uh, like this. Let's take a look. Thank you guys so much. Next slide. It goes like this. There it is. When Ruth, uh, when Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, "How did it go, my daughter?" Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her and added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens. For the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. This is how chapter 3 ends. And chapter 3 ends us with a little bit of a cliffhanger, because if you haven't read this, you don't know how this plays out. Now you do know, spoiler alert, they get married. But like we are at the end of chapter 3, and there's a little bit of a lack of resolution. But just because there's a little bit of a lack of resolution doesn't mean that there's a lack of application here. And so I want to give you three applications that flow out of this scripture that I think flow out of hope through humility. The first one is this word, chesed. Can you say it? Chesed. Chesed, yes. If you've been here for the past couple weeks, you've heard us say this word each week because it's in the chapters each week, one, two, and three. This word is a Hebrew word that we really can't translate that well into English because it's a word that's trying to encapsulate a lot of different qualities of God and His love. It's like sometimes called loving kindness, and it's meant to be this idea that God His never giving, never ending, never stopping, faithful covenant love. That's what chesed is. Okay? Naomi shows it to Ruth. Ruth shows it to Naomi. Naomi shows it to, or Ruth shows it to Boaz. Boaz shows it to Ruth. In chapter 3, verse 10, it says this. Next slide. The Lord bless you, my daughter. He replied, This kindness, that's chesed, is greater than that which you showed earlier. In other words, the loyalty that you're showing to me in this demonstration on the threshing floor is even greater than the loyalty that you have shown to Naomi in pledging yourself to her to say, You, I'm going to go wherever you go. Your God will be my God. And your people will be my people. It's beautiful. You know, this season we hear these words, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. But I would say this to you, family. Goodwill has nothing on chesed. It has nothing on chesed. Okay? So here's a question for us. Kettleber family, who can we demonstrate chesed to this week? Who in your life needs to see a reflection of God's faithful, loyal love? I'd like you just to close your eyes for a second here. i want you to close your eyes and I ask, God, would you give everyone in this room a picture of someone in their life that needs to experience chesed, that, that we can take a step and show them God's loyal, faithful love? Father, give someone a picture, give everyone, someone in their life that we need to take a step out and show and demonstrate chesed to this week. That's, that's our first, I think, application. Okay? Second application is another Hebrew word, chayil. Can you say chayil? Yeah, really hawking loogies today, okay? This one I don't really need you to remember. Um, it only starts with an H, and all three of them had to start with an H, so there you go. Okay, that's how it works when you preach. So if the second one starts with an H, it's chayil. It really means virtuous. And here's what's amazing about this. In chapter 2, verse 1, Boaz is described using this word. It's translated as a man of standing, He was a man of standing. And in in chapter 3, verse 11, Ruth is told by Boaz that she is a woman of noble character. What's amazing is that if you look in the original text, that word, the word that they use to describe both, is the same word for both of them. It's right here. That word is chayil, in both. And it means they're virtuous. They are seeking to do what is right by God and what is right by one another. And so, family, here's the question. Are we living chayil lives? How is our integrity? Are, are we living as the same person when we're here in this room as we are when we go to work, when we go to school, when we are at home? Are we seeking to live lives that reflect the virtues of who God is and his character? When we say we're going to do something, do we do it as our yes, yes, and as our no, no? Do we make choices that reflect the virtues of who God is and the fruit of his spirit? Some questions like, have you you told a half-truth? Is there a lie that needs to be made right? Is there a wound that you have caused that we need to seek forgiveness for and ask for reconciliation in? What activities are we doing behind closed doors or in the dark? Are we living chayil lives? And what is one specific way that you can live with greater integrity today? So we have chesed, we have chayil. And last but not least, we have an English word for you, which is humility. Okay, we talked about hope through humility. You can't have chesed or chayil without this. And here is why. It's only by humbling ourselves before God that we're actually able to receive his chesed love that we're actually able to receive his Holy Spirit, will then cause us to live out with virtue our lives, by his Spirit empowering us, okay? So that we have pure motives, that we would walk by the Spirit demonstrating his fruit. This only comes by humility, humbling ourselves before God himself. You know, I think about Ruth, Ruth humbles herself by putting herself at the feet of Boaz in chapter 3, but it was all the way back in chapter 1 where she first humbled herself. She says, Naomi, where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. She humbles herself at that time before God. And when she says to Boaz, she says, cover over the, with me with the cover of your garment, she's actually using a, a, an idiom, a picture. And the word is actually cover over me with your wing, with your wing. Because she needs Boaz's protection. She needs Boaz's provision. But before she ever knew Boaz even existed, she knew it was ultimately God who she needed to have protection from and provision from. And what was amazing is that Boaz knew it too. If we went back to chapter 2, when Boaz first saw Ruth in the field and he blessed her, he said this. He said, May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz is like, You come here to take refuge from, under his wing. And he's saying that while she's in the field, gleaning from his field. How easy would it have been for Boaz to say, I, I, I'm your hero? I'm your hero. And he's like, You've come here to seek refuge under God's wings. Boaz knew that he ultimately wasn't the one to protect and provide for her. Only God does that. Boaz understood whose wings she really was under, and Boaz Boaz understood who the true Redeemer ultimately is. It is the Lord God himself. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence at all, and I think Boaz would have had this very clear picture in his mind. I'm speculating, but I think. Boaz would have had a very clear picture in his mind of God's wings because he would know, he would remember what the, the Ark of the Covenant looks like. When Moses was told by God, what the Ark of the Covenant would look like? It looked like this. It is not a coincidence, I think, that you have two cherubim with their wings spread over, and this is called the mercy seat. This is where God's mercy is, where his presence was dwelling. At the mercy seat, this is where we have to go to receive mercy is under his wings. Family, do we have the humility to understand whose wings truly provide refuge for us? Do we have the humility to know that just like Ruth, we too need to be redeemed. We need to be redeemed from our sin. We need to be redeemed from our shame. We need to be redeemed from our poverty, from our pain. And we have to humble ourselves and put ourselves at the feet of the true Redeemer. The one who can only truly cover over our nakedness, our our sin and our shame and our weakness. The one who this story is all about. The next week we're going to see how this story plays out and how it exactly points to the one who is the ultimate true Redeemer, the one that we celebrate this Christmas and every Christmas, the one who came and dwelled among us. His name is Jesus. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this beautiful picture that we have in chapter 3. Father, it is It is just a glimpse and a glimmer of your majesty, of your mercy, of who you are, what you've done. Father, I ask that you would challenge and encourage us today through what we have heard. Inspire us to apply this into our lives today and humble ourselves before you and understand who the true Redeemer is, the one whose wings we have to come under. We pray this in Christ's name and all God's people said, amen. All right, what we're going to do is we're going to, I've got three questions for you. I want you to, maybe just one of these will pop out. You don't have to answer all of them, but turn and talk again to somebody near you. Maybe pick one of these questions. Just take a couple minutes we're going to talk through this for a couple minutes and we're going to sing a couple uh, Christmas songs before we close. So take a, take a few minutes and turn and talk.
0: expect you could continue talking and talking. Sometimes I wonder if, like, where does that shift happen if you're still talking about these questions or if your conversation starts turning to other things. I never know, but I think for me it would probably start turning to other things. I'm going to invite you to stand, and we're going to sing a couple songs to finish up.
3: with us this morning, family. Those of you here and those of you who are online, uh, we'd love to bless you as Boaz blessed Ruth and pray over you. At the front afterwards, if you'd love to come up and be blessed, we'd love to pray for you. There's a team that does that. Uh, as far as announcements, you can, you can get those by scanning the QR code. Christmas Eve is at 2, 2.30 and 5. 2 in Jackson, 3.30 and 5 here. Probably should tell you that. You're probably wondering. Um, family, can we go and um, live and understand the hope that comes through humility when we humble ourselves before Jesus? Can we do that? I'm not convinced by that response. So can we, can we do that? Yeah, let's live in the hope of the humility of Christ who humbled himself, and we can humble ourselves and live out the same, the same way. We pray this in Christ's name, and all God's people said, God bless you. Have a great day.
1: thanks for joining us this morning and worshiping with us virtually. We'd love for you to take a next step. Uh, Maybe that's joining a group, maybe that is serving in some way, but some way in a family of faith near you taking a step beyond the virtual gathering.
3: Yeah, what we read in Scripture is that the body is meant to build one another up into the fullness and maturity of Christ, and that cannot happen really alone. We don't find uh, alone wolf Christians if you would in the New Testament and so we would so strongly encourage you to engage in your local faith community where you are
2: or here in the body at Kettlebrook Church we'd love to have you take a next step in that way so God